Hello and welcome. I'm Sean. And I'm Kat. And this is another episode of Been There, Seen That. Welcome back to our 25th episode. Today we're covering an animation. This one was suggested by Alex, and today we are covering Wally. So, what are your initial thoughts on Wally? Because I have some mixed ones that I want to get into, but I want to hear from you first. So, Wally was a film that I had watched like years ago. Obviously, when it first came out, it was 2008, still really into Pixar animation, whatever. Didn't love it. I know that, you know. Pixar is meant to be kids' movies and whatever. I don't think this movie is so much meant for kids as it is for adults later on. Because when I first saw it, it's like, oh yeah, Wally's boring Pixar movie. I don't love it. And then when I was in college, I took a class that ended up being my favorite class I had ever taken, and it was called Screening Science. And so what we did was we went over films that had to do with science in one way or another. We watched the film and then have a discussion afterwards based on like the themes and the topics and controversies. And my professor had a degree in, what was it, like philosophy or something. So <laughs> he was always playing devil's advocate. So we had really interesting conversations based off of it. And I think it was through that class that I really developed a stronger appreciation for Wally and like what it really means and what the film is actually trying to get at because the plot is kind of simple and there's really not any dialogue. And I, isn't that one of the things that you had about it? One of the issues I had with Wally is it's supposed to be a kid's movie and it is, but when I saw it as a kid, it just bored me. And right. I know we talked about briefly that the first 30 to 40 minutes of the movie is really just Wally and Eve messing around. And mm -hmm. there isn't a lot of dialogue because they, they're robots. They have a very limited yeah. display of speech. And so once the plot kind of took off, I was more invested. But when you look at all the other Pixar movies, Wally is not a top ranking movie for me. So in terms of the Academy, though, and the awards that this film received. It's the only other animated film next to Beauty and the Beast that's ever been nominated for six Academy Awards, which is the highest ranking. Interesting. I would not have yeah. put Wally in that position. See, I think in terms of the Academy and the way that they kind of award films, it makes sense. Like, I think this would have been something that the Academy would recognize as opposed to something like, I don't know, Bug's Life, you know? When you look at all the other movies that Pixar has done, I feel like each one of them is very distinctive and they stand out on their own. But I feel like with mm -hmm. Wally, -E, there was so much political undertone to it and subtext Absolutely. in, you know, our current situation with waste and pollution and all of that. And it is a relevant topic, but it's not something I think a child is as aware of. And because of that, I don't think they would appreciate Wally -E as much as maybe the adults that are seeing it. It's definitely one of the more adult Pixar films. I think that adults will understand and vibe with Wally -E a lot more than kids will. I agree with you. And like I said, when I was a kid, I didn't necessarily love Wally. -E. Now I look back and think, oh yeah, it is a cute movie. It does have a simple plot, but it has like really big messages. And I think it stands out from the rest of them because it really examines humankind and the destructive relationship that they have with like the with nature and the planet and one of the other things that is kind of a running theme throughout is 
again, humankind's relationship with technology, which is extremely complicated. And the lines of acceptability, I guess, is the word I'm looking for. Because the whole thing about this is technology fails. It's not incredibly reliable 100% of the time. I mean, even us trying to get our podcast out last week, it's technical difficulty after technical difficulty. Technology is supposed to be a tool that makes life easier. But in this film, examining that relation, technology becomes something that humans rely on too much to the point where is life even worth living, you know? And then we also have the aspect of technology being the villain in this film. I love that. And I think the way that they do that reveal at the very end is so cool because even you see in the portraits, like Otto gets closer and closer and closer to the point where, and obviously that's symbolic of technology taking over and kind of becoming more powerful than humankind. I don't know. I think the way that they do it is so interesting and examining like the way that humankind destroyed the planet because of rapid technology there wasn't any concern for well-being which is an issue that's extremely prevalent today so if you have not seen wally like always we are going to be going into the plot if you have not seen that yet we highly suggest you give that a watch before giving us a listen and with that let's, let's talk about the plot a little bit <laughs> so wally opens up and it's earth but it's 700 years into the future and it opens up with some gorgeous cinematography. I feel like with Wally, I don't typically think of animated films for cinematography, but I think the shots done in Wally are so unique and mm -hmm. I don't really see anything like it in other Pixar films. I agree. And I think because the dialogue and the plot is so simple, it, the plot, you know, obviously gets a little more complicated towards the end once we get into meeting the humans and everything. But especially on Earth when we're just dealing with Wally and then eventually Eve, the cinematography, I'm going to put that in quotes because we're not really dealing with a camera. In animation, they have like a, you can control where the quote unquote camera is, but it is still cinematography, just not in the traditional sense. I think it has to be that much more effective because if every other piece of the film doesn't work, you can't even rely on dialogue and story because it's just kind of Wally roaming around the planet. <laughs> and visually, I think Wally has some really fun sequences to watch. Specifically, the fire hydrant dance scene that they have later on in space was stunning. I remember seeing it in yes. theaters and it was in 3D. I was blown away by it. I Every time I think about Wally, that is the scene that comes to mind just because it's so gorgeous and it's so fun. I don't, it's very whimsical and pseudo romantic for two robots together in space where Wally thinks they're, they're dancing and Eve is like, why? <laughs> and that's kind of where you get that plot for Wally and Eve, because while the core and the subtext plot is that we're wasteful and we need to change our ways. There is that little love story between Wally and Eve. And I was reading some articles and people are even bold enough to say that Wally and Eve are one of those iconic couples that people just automatically think of when you hear Disney couples. Really? It was interesting. I wasn't expecting that. But during my rewatch, I will say they are a pretty cute couple. I love Wally and Eve, and I think that dynamic really carries the film in the moments where there is downtime plot-wise. But I think the relationship between them is so funny because it's really all just Wally. And for a robot, having no real dialogue other than 
Eve and Wally. They craft such a cute character out of him and he's very nostalgic for a time that he didn't live in. It's like the little ways that he collects knickknacks and trash and everything and he's very protective over it. Like when Eve comes into his, I don't even know what you want to call that, like his living space, his compound, whatever. When she goes in there and she's like touching all his things, he's like, oh, don't break it, don't break it. And very protective over the little things that he's found. And it's just, they craft such a nostalgic air around him and such a uh, romantic in a not romantic sense. You know what I mean by that? Yeah, I feel like he's the underdog and... At first, because Eve is such a strong, independent character, and when she's searching the planet for the plant, she is taking care of herself. She has her blasters, Mm -hmm. and she's on high alert at all times. But I think that Wally's naivety and just his willingness and kindness, he's very gentle. And I mean, when Eve goes into that comatose state, he is protective of her. And she sees that when the footage gets pulled up later, but he's a very protective friend of her. And so I think that it started as a friendship, but turned into a love. Exactly. And looking at the two robots, I think there is a stark contrast difference between the two. Wally is very run down. He's obviously been there for probably, what, 700 years in the future. So probably 700-ish years that he's been on planet Earth by himself. He used to have friends, sad. But he's super run down, super dirty. And Eve is like very sleek, super exudes new technology. And I I feel like that really gives a nod to how technology used to be viewed as a tool and how it then became something to rely on. Because Wally being kind of like dirty and run down. There wasn't care put into, oh, how does this look? It's just, this is the tool that we're using to clean up the planet. And then Eve becomes very sleek and it's like all about looks. And even the way that she moves, like her arms are inside of her body and then they kind of float out. It's all about, you know, that technology really takes over her. Whereas Wally is a machine. She is more of something to rely on on does that make any sense (laughs) it makes sense to me wally was left behind to clean up the planet for recolonization when the planet is sustainable again and once we get up into space we see that there really wasn't an intention for them to go back and Mm -hmm. these people are kind of i mean it's been 700 years i think they weren't expecting to go back ever again anyway but once we have the plant turned in and the captain becomes aware of it you see that glimmer of hope and he starts to get excited about returning. Right. And I mean, that's his whole, that's his whole shtick is that he has this nostalgia for something that used to be. But going back to the humans and back to the plot a little bit, we're introduced to a corporation called By and Large. And By and Large is just the symbol of consumerism and the way that it is just overwhelming for the human race because consumerism is essentially the reason that humankind destroyed the planet because of rapid technology. And there was no concern for their well-being. They just created a way to live outside of Earth, which brings us to Axiom. And Axiom is owned by By and Large. It's a spaceship that is essentially a prolonged cruise. But one of the things we see on Axiom is that they've created Wall A. And so Wally, what does that stand for? It was like waste. Hold on, I have it right here. Waste allocation load lifter earth class. And so then you see Wall A, which would be Axiom class. So in 
the presence of wall A, it's very clear that humankind hasn't learned anything. They haven't changed anything. And wall A throws trash right out into space. And though it may take millions and millions of years, what do you do when you clutter space too much, you know? Exactly. And that's where you get that undertone of humans are just very wasteful and eventually they just use up whatever home they have. Exactly. Another thing I want to bring up is Hello Dolly because the musical <laughs> Hello Dolly has a pretty important part for Wally as a character. Mm -hmm. We see him in the first scene and he's going back to his compound, but one of the random trinkets he has is an old VHS tape of the musical Hello Dolly. And he records the audio and throughout we have him playing this audio. At first, well, he, he records the audio on himself so he can carry it around with him. Right. So at first he plays it for Eve and he kind of uses it to show his feelings for Eve. Once Eve is placed on planet Earth, it's essentially love at first sight for Wally. He sees her from a distance and he follows her around and is just enamored by her. I love that scene because he's trying so hard and like, I think that's the scene where he grabs her hand, right? And she like pulls it back real quick. Yeah. She's super stiff, super, again, technology. I have a goal. This is what I'm doing. And <laughs> she has no personality to her at the beginning, which we later see her open up to. But I love that when he goes to grab her hand, it like breaks my heart. He's just so sad. And then we also have it again later once he goes up into space. And my favorite introduction of it is when he sneaks into the captain's headquarters and the captain tries to reach for his alarm clock, but accidentally turns on while he's recording. Yeah, it's so cute. And it's like, I don't know what song it is. I'm not super familiar with Hello, Dolly, but it's very... I hate to keep using the word nostalgia, but it's nostalgia-inducing. It's Wally representing the values of things that used to be. So, like, I was reading somewhere that love is, like, a really important theme in this, and it is. But it's we see that on Axiom that couples aren't really a thing, friends aren't really a thing, and it's only when... Wally shows up on the spaceship that, oh, I don't even remember her name. That that one character, do you know who I'm talking about? Which one? The woman. The one that falls in love with John? Yeah. Right, Mary. Yes, Mary. So when he takes Mary's screen out, she realizes that there's this whole world around her. And that kind of triggers Mary to fall in love with John because she shows... I think she like bumps him or something and then he recognizes the world around him. And through that, we're kind of piecing together that human relationships don't exist anymore. Like nobody knows the people around them. They're just glued to the screen. And that speaks leaps and bounds because that's exactly what our society is headed towards. And so mixing that with the concept of people just being so wasteful, I think they really... uh did a number on the human race there. Exactly. And technology was never meant to replace people it was meant to enhance and simplify tasks and again be a tool and it's headed towards a place where I, th I think they like hit it right on the head there that people are losing relationships with each other you even see through things like instagram it's like oh this person's my friend no you don't you just know the image that they're giving to you you know yeah definitely so to go back to the plot a little bit we have eve now on planet earth and she's aggressively scanning for something but no one knows what and wally watches from a distance and as time moves on he gets closer towards her because he eventually wants to show her who he is and she's not exactly accepting at first she's very <laughs> hesitant she tries to blast his head off 
But <laughs> they eventually become friends because there's no one else really around. Wally's been here for 700 years. And I mean, you even see some other Wally units that are left abandoned and destroyed in the middle of this mm -hmm. planet because there's no one there to repair them. So when Eve gets there, it's a refreshing face for him. And he brings her to his compound to show her all of his trinkets. And that's where you find the plant. And when he shows Eve this plant that he's been keeping in this boot, she starts to like light up and she scans it. And all of a sudden she has this green dot beeping on her and she goes into a comatose state. It's later on that we find out that the plant is what was her mission. And essentially she was sent to Earth to see if it's still inhabitable or if they've made any progress because this plant is essentially the key to if humans can return to the planet and find it inhabitable. Exactly. So Eve's code stands for Extraterrestrial Vegetation Evaluator. And I also think it's interesting that her name is Eve because she's sent to kind of start rebuilding Earth. Uh, <laughs> but it's a, it's a clever way to kind of name her. One of the fun facts I saw about Eve is that Alyssa Knight, who voices her, is not an actress. She's just a Pixar employee. Oh, interesting. Isn't that funny? <laughs> I mean, there's not many lines for her. It's really just Wally. Yeah, and the they didn't say who it was, but the director also voices one of the humans on Axiom. So they just kind of have some random people thrown in there, which I think is a fun, fun little nod to Pixar. And this is the movie to do it with for sure, because voice acting is definitely a craft on its own, and it's not an easy thing to do by any means. I'm not discrediting any kind of voice actors here, but I think when you have a character who only has like two words that they say, Wally, <laughs> it's you can kind of get away with certain things that maybe you couldn't get away with in bigger dialogue films. I'm picturing them just having someone in the sound booth and saying, say Wally, but give us like a hundred different versions of it. Yeah, right. And we'll pick and choose what we put in where. Exactly. So in that comatose state, it's so cute. Wally, like, kind of keeps bringing her around with him like you would almost like a stuffed animal. Just kind of dragging her. And he puts, like, doesn't he put Christmas lights on her at one point to drag her around? He's just finding things to, like, leash her, essentially. Because <laughs> she went into this comatose state once he gave her the plant. Mm-hmm. And she is, like, completely shut off. Just imagine technology in sleep mode you know that's exactly what happens and he's dragging her around and during like a thunderstorm he's holding a uh, an umbrella over her and if you look closely when they get struck by lightning wally's power goes up to full <laughs> when he gets struck by lightning oh i didn't even notice that i know i love pixar because they have all those little tiny things in there that you don't notice but because of the culmination of them you're you're meant to notice a few of them at least it's just the attention to detail that Pixar has is amazing. And we don't really know what's going on with Eve at this point, because for a first time viewer, you just see the blinking green light and mm -hmm. through the entire montage, it's blinking and you hear the beeping of it. And I feel like they use the sound to kind of put an emphasis on that. Absolutely. So Eve's mission was later, we find out, to find that plant. And she, <laughs> I think it's so cute because... While he was kind of treating it like a pet, he almost treats everything he has as like a pet. We didn't even talk about the cockroach. He has a pet cockroach. And one of the other things that I was reading on the creation of Wally was that you see a cockroach and a Twinkie, and that's kind of a nod to the joke that if the world ended, two things would survive Twinkies and cockroaches. 
It's true. It is true. <laughs> but the cockroach is like playing in a Twinkie at one point. I think it's funny. Yeah, Wally <laughs> has it as like a house for him. He unwraps it and it like slides into the filling hole on the bottom. Yeah. It's so cute. So a few days pass and after Wally does all these like romantic things with Eve and he tries to like pry her hand away from her body so he can hold it, this mothership returns to get Eve. And what does Wally do but grab onto the spaceship? And now we're kind of going into that second part of the plot where we're on our way up to Axiom, which is it's supposed to be several light years away from Earth. They get on Axiom and Eve is still in hibernation and kind of sent away to have the specimen collected, I guess, because there's other Eves we see on that ship. But our Eve, the one that we're following, is the only one with an actual plant that completed the mission and she gets sent to the captain's headquarters right away because of this and she has Mm -hmm. the beep going off they know that she's unique in comparison to the other ones that they've collected so she gets sent to the captain's headquarters and you have this funny scene where wally's just trying to follow her through like (laughs) the processing facility up until she goes up to the captain and so he keeps running into all these people and that's where you kind of get introduced to what society's like because we have all these pan shots of humans and they're living in these chairs where their feet don't even touch the ground and they never have to leave their chairs so they've become huge and they don't really have legs or arms they're all just like blobs yeah it's we see later that they have a kind of x-ray and the amount of bones that people have lost over time and the muscle that people have lost over time it's just an entire entirely different body essentially humans transformed into something else that's non-functioning essentially but on his way i do want to note that we meet my favorite character in the movie who's mo and he goes up and he's like freaking out because wally's so dirty and mo's job is to clean so he's freaked out that wally's there but at one point he does introduce himself and he goes mo Did you know that the voice of Wally and the voice of Mo is the same voice actor? Really? Ben Burt. Interesting. I love that. I love when voice actors are able to play like different people. Me too. And I think with two robot characters, there's probably mm-hmm. that pressure of finding a different voice. And yeah. there is a distinction between Wally and Mo, which is something that I admire. Absolutely. So once we're up in the captain's headquarters, he gets woken up and he thinks it's his alarm clock and he reaches over to turn it off, but he ends up accidentally hitting Wally's record button, which (laughs) turns on the Hello Dolly recording. So right away, the captain jumps away because it's an unusual sound, but he's fallen into this routine where his chair does everything for him. That's just like everyone else on the ship. They don't really do anything on their own. It's all reliant on technology. They'll just ask Mm -hmm. their chair to do this for them. So he falls into this routine and he doesn't even notice that Wally is sitting right there. But once he examines Eve and Eve comes out, they unlock her with a key code and she comes out of her comatose state, which gets Wally really excited. And Eve sees Wally and is like, Wally, you need to go away. Like, of course, she doesn't say that. She just says, Wally, and like gestures (laughs) for him to like back up. But you have this moment where she opens up her chest and the plant's not in there anymore. So... The captain's like, oh, well, this must be defective. This must be an issue in her programming. Let's send her off for maintenance and let's send this robot because eventually they see Wally in the corner to be cleaned because Wally is just covered in remnants of dirt and all that. But 
as they take him off for cleaning, a little scrubble of dirt is left behind in the captain's headquarters, which he puts in the computer and is like, what is this? And the computer's like, this is dirt and this is what it's used for. And that's where the captain kind of starts to see that, huh, maybe there is life beyond this, even though we didn't see the plant, which he doesn't know at this point was stolen out of Eve, but he's starting to finally unravel that maybe Earth is ready to return to. Yeah, but the the thing about the captain, and we really see that here, is how A, long it's been because this cleanup mission was supposed to take five years and here we are hundreds of years later. This is the only feature-length film that Pixar and Disney have created that is an animation but has live-action clips to it, which I think is cool because we do see that in Hello, Dolly. But they also show it when we get a speech from the president like years ago because the captain has no idea what to do with Eve. We've never gotten a positive plan identification before. So this is like a very new thing. This has never happened. And because of that distinction between animation and live action, it almost makes you have such a stark contrast between how life used to be and how life is now because we have these like very blubbery <laughs> new species of human that don't have bones and can't move. But then it's it's definitely a choice for them to use live action for the president. Would you, how do you feel about that as a choice that they made? I think that using the president having a live action recording saying that, you know, this is why we're leaving the planet because of all this waste and this is when we can come back. And you have that moment later where they also have the video of the president supposedly after everyone left on the ships and he's basically saying, this was all a hoax, Earth will never be inhabitable again. And I think it's supposed to be used almost to emphasize the dangers of pollution and mm -hmm. kind of push to you that this is a very real problem. While this is an animated movie, it is realistically happening. And I think that that's maybe why they use that contrast of live action and in-person versus an animated character. I agree. And I mean, you also have to think, they've been on the ship for 700 years, so they don't really know any life without this oh, ship. Oh, they don't know anything else. Yeah. So evolution, I think, at this point has probably taken over because, I mean, they even mentioned that, yeah, your bones have probably adjusted because of how long you guys have all been sitting. So you might have to stand up and relearn everything. Exactly. And obviously that also kind of plays into what does gravity do to you and how how does it work in a non-gravitational space where you can't walk outside? Obviously, there's some sort of gravity on the ship but it's it's very different than what earth gravity would be but i think they do mention that in that as well and like you were saying we really see such a stark contrast in the difference of humans but also their knowledge of how things used to be because since we're so far removed from what earth was and having earth in inhabitable place like you had mentioned the captain didn't even know what dirt was so it kind of <laughs> i like how he goes into a little rabbit hole there like an earth rabbit hole in research and he's asking about plants and he's asking about pizza plants or something like that which is supposed to be a nod to other pixar films and oh i don't think we mentioned this but on earth while he does explore the pizza planet van oh i didn't even notice that yeah <laughs> that van shows up in like everything it's one of those pixar easter eggs i think they like to have audiences looking for Absolutely, because I think it's an easy one to kind of throw in there. So once Eve is taken to the repair center and Wally's taken to the cleaning center, they're like right next to each other. And Wally sees Eve undergoing maintenance, but thinks that she's being attacked. So he lasers himself out <laughs> of his little cleaning cubicle 
and mistakenly sets all of the other robots who are in there free. And I guess it's where they send the, I'll call it the Island of Misfit Toy Robots because (laughs) they're all the flawed ones. But Wally sets them all free and they run amok on the ship. But in this, Wally also sets Eve free, even though she wasn't in distress. And so she kind of is like, he needs to get off the ship. He's causing way too much damage here. So she brings him to an escape pod. And they have this moment where when the escape pod is being set up, they hear someone coming, so they hide. But then another robot comes in and puts the plant inside the spaceship. So Wally and Eve have this moment where they look at each other and Eve obviously was wondering how the plant vanished from out of her because, I mean, we saw it with our own eyes. She absorbed the plant. So you're finally getting that realization that maybe something is at play here. Someone clearly did not want that captain to get the plant. Yeah, and that brings us to the scene that we were talking about earlier where, (laughs) again, Wally is having this romantic moment. And this is the space dance scene where they're playing with the fire extinguishers. And Eve isn't. She doesn't have a fire extinguisher. She's just able to catapult herself through space. But Wally needs that because he's Earth-based. And... (laughs) They're they're dancing and Wally's having this romantic moment and Eve's just trying to get him back. Like, it's interesting. But the two of them pass the window of Axiom and I think it's Mary and John that see them, right? It is. Yeah. So Mary and John are like, Wally. And they're, oh my God, you know Wally? Because Wally had knocked John off of his chair before and helped him back up into his chair. So Wally had interactions with these two human characters and they're watching Wally and Eve dance outside the window, and it's this beautiful moment. Honestly, top 10 moments in Pixar movies for me. I think that's it's such a great scene. Cinematically, it is definitely one of my favorite Pixar scenes, but mm-hmm. I don't know. With me, Wally, where it lacks is the plot. I completely understand the political subtext of it. But again, when you bring a family to a Pixar movie, you need something that's going to keep everyone engaged. And I feel like with Wally, all the kids really have are just robot noises. I remember when this came out very vividly, all of the friends in my friend group would just <laughs> go around and they would be like, Wally, Wally, Eve. <laughs> and that's it. That's all they took away from that movie. So I yeah. think that the adults really walked away with the majority of it. But for kids, you're watching the love story and I don't think you're as invested. I think you'd really just want to see some robot shenanigans. Yeah. I don't know. I think you get that. And there are funny moments. I still like this as a kid's movie. I do think it has a greater impact as a, a watching it as an adult, but you know, you get those funny moments, like when all of the robots kind of escape and they're all malfunctioning. I can see how kids think that's hilarious and it's like painting in the wrong ways and they're getting in trouble. And, you know, you do have moments where it is still a kid's movie. And I don't know. I think the love story kind of redeems itself in a way. But I do I, I do get what you're saying. It is kind of simplistic for the plot. But I think that's because the messages are so huge in it to where if if it was a more complicated plot with more dialogue and whatnot, they'd be kind of hitting you over the head with consumerism is bad. We have to save the planet. Blah, 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 blah. We're heading towards technology taking over our lives. But a kid just wouldn't understand that. And yeah, I mean, as a kid for me, I just didn't really like the love story because I didn't really care about love it. 
what, nine years old? I guess so. But then you could say the same argument for all of the princess movies. Like, there's nothing really going on in Cinderella other than a love story. I think the appeal for kids in Cinderella would be the magic, no? No, because it's all about Prince Charming. Maybe from your perspective, I always just was into the magic of it. Yeah, I guess so. I don't know. Pixar has other movies, so <laughs> if you don't if you don't like the love story from Wally, you can go watch Cars. <laughs> That's fair. I mean, I my what's your favorite Pixar movie? Let's ask that right up front right now. Oh, hold on. Let me look up a list real quick because I wanna I wanna think about this. Because I'll answer mine. My favorite Pixar movie is The Incredibles. And one of okay. the reasons I like it is because of the family dynamic. I think there's a character that everyone can relate to. They have a young boy, a young girl, they have mother, father, and they have a baby. And so I think seeing, and their powers, their powers are very fitting to what a kid going through all that stuff at that time would be. I mean, you have Violet and she turns invisible and she puts force fields up, but she's Mm -hmm. also that moody teenager. So I think that her powers really exemplify that. And you have Dash, who's super hyperactive, and he's this little boy who just runs around all the time. And so having him have super speed really exemplifies that. And Mr. Incredible is super strength because he's the father of the house, and he's supposed to be able to take it all. And Mrs. Incredible, as Elastigirl, is very flexible because she's the mother, and she has to be flexible for the kids because the father's not doing that. So I think having the power dynamic with them reflect what the social dynamic of those characters are really just was something I hadn't seen before. And I think that's why it is my favorite Pixar movie. It does go back and forth between that and Toy Story because I do Mm -hmm. adore Toy Story with all my heart. But I don't really see something like that with Wally. Yeah, I can see what you're saying. I'm looking at Pixar movies right now and just off the top of my head... I'm going to say Toy Story is my favorite classic first Pixar film. I, I've i always loved Toy Story. It does, you know, again, have the plot. It is different from WALL-E, and I like WALL-E for different reasons than I like Toy Story. And I'd probably tie that kind of closely with Monsters, Inc., which I also love. But I... I don't know. I see what you're saying, but I also think Wally is incredibly valid in what they were trying to do. And I think they were trying to do sort of something different and expand on how to play with plot and theme and storyline to create something entirely new. And I think they were effective in the little dialogue that they did end up using. I think they created a wonderfully, beautifully effective story that had an emotional layer to it. It had a story layer to it. It had really deep messages that they were trying to get across. I don't know. I, th- I I love Wally. We still have a little bit less for the plot before we give our <laughs> total rankings. And maybe maybe we have a Pixar ranking episode in our future. I know we discussed that a little bit on Turning Red. So if you guys want to hear yeah. that, let us know. That would be fun. I'm down for that. So moving on just a little bit in the plot. Once they have this space pod launch, Wally ends up rescuing the plant. And so they bring it back to the ship, now knowing that it was meant to go to the captain. So Eve shoots up the maintenance elevator right up to the captain's headquarters and she reveals the plant and the captain's like oh oh there was a plant all along and it's in this moment that the video plays where the president's like this is what we're going to be doing and you guys can go back to earth now but this is where you get the reveal that Auto, the ship's automated pilot system, was the reason that the plant never made it to the captain. He Mm -hmm. hijacked Eve or something like that. We don't really see. It's never really disclosed. But he essentially hid the plant from the captain because he doesn't think that 
Earth is ever going to be inhabitable again because he saw a transmitted message from the president after all of these ships had left saying, this is just a big fail. Earth is never going to be the same again. It's never safe to come back. You guys can't come back. So as a piece of technology, it probably sees the video and analyzes that as you know, I need to do everything I can to keep these people in space. So it kind of blurs a line. I think it's more of a malfunction than an actual thought that the computer is having. So I disagree. I think that this mutiny that we see Otto kind of starting and his intention to take over the ship and stop humankind from going back to Earth shows an advancement in technology so far gone that robots have developed to have their own desires and their own wants and their own needs, which we see even now today when people are creating robots and trying to give them feelings and emotions and try to replicate humankind and human behavior, which obviously wasn't the intention for Otto, but I think it's kind of emulating that and Otto's purpose in trying to start this mutiny and try to keep humans from going back to earth is really rooted in a fear of not being needed anymore because what happens when you don't need robots anymore you shut them down and they don't exist and in this world where robots have feelings and emotions because clearly they do we see that through Wally and Eve having a love story, we've advanced so far. They almost have their own consciousness. And him trying to stop that is, you know, rooted in that fear of, I don't want to be shut off. I guess. I never really thought about it like that, but it makes sense. Like, that explanation definitely brought light to that. The way that I viewed it was more that it was a program that was designed to protect the humans because it's steering this big ship and it's been instructed to pilot them around until they find a habitable planet. So mm -hmm. receiving that video feed, I personally thought that it went into his programming and said, okay, I've been instructed not to bring anyone back to planet Earth. And that's just Otto's attempt at fulfilling what he was tasked with. Yeah, I I see where that interpretation also makes sense. I think that in the world of Wally, for me and the message that I got from it is that because Otto like actually gets angry and literally fights with the captain and that's broadcast on on the ship when they're they're steering and all the humans get to see this i think it really shows that it brings that fear that technology can really take over to the forefront and you're forced to kind of confront that because they're seeing this robot Otto taking over the ship and trying to overtake the captain when again he's meant to be a tool he's meant to make life easier he's now taking agency for himself and trying to you know run the ship he's trying to be a robot to run the ship and going back to those portraits before you see Otto getting closer and closer and closer which is representative of technology kind of taking over but I think it's also Otto and himself trying to become captain in one sense or another yeah and I think that that conflict between Otto and the captain is brought to light because he essentially locks the captain in the captain's quarters and just takes over. Mm -hmm. And the only reason that he's able to escape is because he figures out how to hack into the program. Right. And you get this big moment again being broadcast for all the humans. And it's a huge thing because the captain stands up out of his hover chair and goes and he's able to shut off Otto. So we defeat the bad guy. But the issue up until this point is that they've been chasing for the plant because without a positive plant identification, they can't 
put Axiom into Earth, like return to Earth mode. So they need that actual living thing to bring them back to Earth. But they do find it and Eve puts the plant back in the thing and Axiom is right back on its way to Earth. And we kind of have this really sad moment because through all of this, Wally gets damaged really badly. But -hmm. when they come back to Earth, you see this moment where Eve tries to repair him in his little workshop. And it works at first to an extent. He reboots up but has no memory of Eve. And so you have that emotional moment where Eve kind of looks really upset about this. And he just starts cleaning up again as if he's been rebooted, essentially. But earlier, once Wally had saved the planet in their little space dance scene, Eve, I guess what you would call a robot kiss... They shared a robot (laughs) kiss, but what it really was is they put their heads together and shared like a jolt, like a spark between them. And Eve does this again once Wally's rebooted and that spark ends up reprogramming him back to where he was. So all of a sudden he gets his memories back and he's like, Eve, and Mm -hmm. you see all the humans coming off the ship and they're seeing planet Earth for the first time. These people have been on a ship for 700 years. So it's generations and generations of people going through that ship. Right. And they're all walking, which is really important. They all get up out of their chairs, and though it's not easy for them, they are walking and kind of making that step towards trying to rebuild Earth as inhabitable as the only thing left of the human race. And you see as it pans out, because this is essentially the final act of the movie, as it pans out on these people walking out of the ship, the captain's talking about, oh, we're going to plant pizza and all this because, again, they don't understand the concept of how plants work. But in the distance of the city, you do start to see some of those plants already beginning to flourish. Mm-hmm. It's it's a really hopeful ending for it. And I think if they had ended it in a poor way, in a sad way, A, it would have been a kid's movie. And then B, it would have, I don't know, just been a message of consumerism and te- technology are taking over your lives and there's nothing you can do to stop it. So it is, it is a hopeful ending and it does give you that message of, it, you know, it still has that like bleakness to it that it did take 700 years them to return back so it it is sad but there is hope at the end and i i like the way that this kind of crafted itself so let me ask you do you think that it's realistic i think it's absolutely realistic i think the way that technology is headed and the way that humans are so reliant on technology is just i mean you can't do anything without a phone now unless you want to be completely off grid and not really a part of society if you want a job you need a phone if a lot of jobs work off of computers and iPads and everything. It's so consuming of our lives. And obviously consumerism is something that, again, we kind of can't function without. We've gotten ourselves in this place where consumerism and technology really control our lives without us giving it permission to in the first place. I don't know. How do you feel about it? Do you think it's realistic? To an extent, yes. I don't know if we would necessarily have cleaning robots left behind i feel like we'd find another planet (laughs) yeah i feel like today's society is so much of a okay if there's a problem let's just move on and Mm -hmm. find something else i don't think we would want to save our planet and it's it's been shown people don't really care about the environment or our planet and it's really sad because it is having long-term impacts that people are just being negligent to and so i think The concept of putting us on a spaceship isn't far-fetched. We've been sending people into space a lot more casually recently. So I think that 
this might actually be the beginning days and stages of that. But the concept of having the robots clean up our planet for us, I don't see happening. Yeah, I don't think we would get to a point where, oh, we have to fix our planet because, again, we just unfortunately find a new one. Now, admittedly, I do think that people are on the track to becoming like the people on the ship in Wally. I think oh, yeah. <laughs> we have way too big of a reliance on technology now, and it's made us lazy in so many different aspects. Mm-hmm. I think that if you don't think it's made an impact, you're just being oblivious. Obliviously like, optimistic. <laughs> exactly. So that is definitely not far-fetched. I'm personally scared of it. I yeah. don't want that to happen. I don't think that that is what would benefit our society in the least. So I think that, you know, there's going to come a time where when do we stop advancing technology until we as a society are caught up to the point that we can control it? Yeah, absolutely. And we're definitely reaching that danger zone of technology controlling our lives and almost taking over us. I, you even see like, targeted ads on your phone i'll be talking about so i'm probably gonna get wally ads later because it listens to you and that's so scary it's like did i ever give you permission to listen to it? no and i probably signed it in some kind of terms and conditions somewhere but once you bury it in a 125 page document i'm not gonna read it you know exactly so one to ten where do you put this movie I'm really going to give it like an 8, 8.5. I love this movie. I think the messages are huge. I think it's so simple but so effective. And even the micro expressions that they're able to animate into these robots. Like Wally is a character that I think you super relate to. I mean, you maybe not relate is the wrong word, but identify with. He's the character that you follow along with this. And you get an emotional connection to this dirty little robot. <laughs> You just kind of follow around and watch him do his little his little things on planet Earth. And he's so cute. I just think for what it is, it was so incredibly effective. And I don't know. It's, it's visually nice to watch and kind of leaves you not in a sense of like sadness, but just an awareness or realization of the things that are kind of moving around you. Where would you awareness, rank it? Awareness is a good word. I would rank it comfortably at a 6.5. I know a lot of people are probably not going to agree with me on that, but it's just not my vibe. I saw it in theaters once. I was very upset that I saw it in theaters because there was another movie out at the time that I wanted to see more, and I lost the vote on it. See, you do this. (laughs) It impacts your ranking of it when you end up having to go see a movie that you got outvoted for. I what do. else did that happen with? I so many. I couldn't that think of the top though. of my head. That was recent, We were talking about one that was recently. I'm trying to think of the movies we've covered. Oh, Let for me. Super 8, but it was because I love Super 8. I do. I saw it twice on my own, but the third time I wanted to go see the final Harry Potter movie on opening weekend. Oh, yeah, that was it. And my uncle wanted to take me to see Super 8 instead, even though I told him <laughs> I'd seen it twice already. And we saw Super 8, which... We won't get into. I love Super 8. Yeah. Don't get me wrong on that. But Wally, it was just a different vibe. I stand by what I said. I don't think this is great necessarily for kids. I think if you put a kid in front of this movie and turned it on and walked away, they would get bored and probably walk away themselves. 
but it's definitely led to some very cute moments. And I think mm-hmm. that people will look at Wally as an exemplary piece of film and an animated movie at that, but they're going to see a lot more than just a children's movie. And I think that is something that not every Pixar movie could say. Yes, I agree with you. And I think in the film community, though, it does have those, you know, nominations and those wins. It won Best Animated Feature Film of the Year in 2008 when it came out. It won- It was nominated for Best Writing and Original Screenplay, which is interesting. And I'm not sure you would necessarily agree with, but it was nominated. It did get a recognition for that. Best Achieved in Music, Written for a Motion Picture Original Score. Thomas Newman, who we've seen multiple times throughout Disney and Pixar. Best Achievement in Music, Written for Motion Pictures Original Song, which is the down to earth that plays at the very end. And then Sound Mixing and Sound Editing. So, And then they also won a BAFTA for Best Animated Film so and Best Feature Film. Oh, wow. The BAFTA Children's Awards. Very cool. So it has won a lot of awards and it does have that those credits to its name. So while, you know, being an Academy Award nominee doesn't necessarily make it a good film because they have been nominees that I don't necessarily agree with, it does make it an incredibly credible film. If I look at what was nominated for Best Animated Feature Film of 2009, it's not surprising that Wally came out on mm-hmm. top because there were only two other contenders and it was Kung Fu Panda and Bolt. And <laughs> while the other two yeah. are great, I don't think that they have that impact that Wally left a lot of people with because Wally has that social relevance and it, like you said, is bringing awareness to people. So I think doesn't that, have the X factor. Exactly. Whereas with Kung Fu Panda and Bolt, it's very much just suspended disbelief. You're here to have a good time. And right. Wally was, you're here to have a good time, but we have a message for you. So that's kind of where you see that difference. So I do think it deserves the recognition that it gets. I just personally don't enjoy it as much as others. Okay. Yeah, that's totally fair. So on that note, I'm going to go ahead and say that if you guys enjoyed today's episode, go ahead and follow us on Twitter or Instagram at BTST Podcast. And if you guys want to join our film discussion, let us know what you thought about Wally, or if you have any upcoming film suggestions that you want to hear us cover, go ahead and shoot us an email at btstpodcast at gmail.com. Be sure to subscribe if you enjoyed today's episode and make sure to join us on Thursday where we will be back on schedule this week finally for the French Dispatch, which I'm very excited to watch because Sean keeps telling me I'm not going to like it. So I'm interested to talk about it with you. <laughs> we have a lot of thoughts to discuss. And thank you so much to you guys for your patience this past week. Absolutely. We appreciate it so much. And we appreciate that you guys are still listening. We are going to oh. keep doing this as long as you guys are listening. So we love doing this. Absolutely. And, you know, full disclosure here, we've been I've been traveling a lot this week, technical difficulties, but it was because my brother was graduating. So shout out to all the grads this year. Congratulations. Congratulations, graduates. And with that, I'm Sean. And I'm Kat. And this has been another episode of Been There, Seen That. Thanks for listening.